What's up, guys? We are back, your High Street Freaks, and I think I'm going to start this podcast with a little bit of optimism because uh, this is going to be this is going to be one of those podcasts. But I, I will say, at least my team is not USC, Texas, Texas A&M, Miami, or am I missing anybody? Alabama. Alabama. Uh, yeah. Hmm. A lot of teams looked like absolute dog shit yesterday. Yeah, and some uh, of them actually managed to lose too. Like, good God, some of the. Like, how about Kentucky? How about Kentucky goes on the road with all this undefeated optimism of a and of just a five and zero season to just get stopped. steamrolled fifty one thirteen. Yeah, couldn't yeah. be. No, I mean, listen, listen, we're 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 gonna hate on this team plenty. I promise. That's that's what you guys subscribe for. Um, we're we're gonna we're gonna have some complaints, but at the end of the day. For is just straight up atrocious as the team played. Perhaps their worst game of the season, I think. And to win by twenty points, you know, at the end of the day, it's fine. I I, I am not super happy about how it all played out. I think that there's a lot of a lo- a lot of very concerning things that happened in that game that you can't just attribute to like a one off game. But at the same time, as weird as this college football season is, let's survive in advance and just give it a shot down the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's okay to still be in the dance. Obviously, like you said, there are some some major concerns you want to get fixed. But uh, I think six unbeatens lost yesterday, and we weren't one of them. Yeah. Uh, so I am. I guess I am happy to, um, to not have to uh, be one of the teams that is – going on your podcast and moping uh that day after i mean i'm still gonna mope but... yeah for sure for sure i, I think <laughs> at I least think that's, that's the thing is like we, we were just talking before we got on the podcast like this is the the perfect game to make me the most miserable uh make us the most miserable because it was horrible like everything about the game was horrible um on both sides of the ball had their struggles the defense largely played good but um like it was it was a just horrible brutal excruciating experience watching that game for 95 percent of it or whatever yeah and but they it still, was the... they still managed to cover and they still managed to like you know look fine in terms of the score yeah, the it's stats. it's the perfect ryan day game where it's like they they look like dog shit the entire day they sleepwalk they somehow managed to like you said cover the spread their quarterback goes for over 300 yards uh and everyone who the game comes out of it taking what they want away from it which is like if you were an eternal optimist you'll say oh they beat an undefeated big 10 team uh in a tightly contested game where they managed to pull ahead in the second half and score 27 unanswered and if you actually watch the football game you'll say well they fucking suck but uh maryland blinked way worse than ohio state did um we're gonna get into the full podcast we're gonna, we're just starting our talking points and uh you know get ready to tar and feather parker fleming uh before we do that kevin do you want to talk about this trial offer? We we have an offer we're doing right now for me to midfield. Uh, do you? Uh, I'm always the one uh, pitching <laughs> pitching the site. Do yeah. you want to? Do you want to give your uh, your sales pitch? I mean, to midfield. Yeah. So, in we we have this this fantastic stretch of of time here. Um, I guess I'll pitch the site before I pitch the the trial run for our site. Yeah. Our our website is um we we cover college football um and. We don't just cover college football. We talk about it in I, I like to say in a in a way and a voice that doesn't really exist most other places in college football. Um, I think our boards are pretty unique. Um, 
I think that our community is unique to people that are not, um, I don't know, we're, we're not, we're not really sunshine pumpers. Um, but we like to talk ball about in a very realistic and, uh, I guess, true way and genuine way. Um, and, and that, that really applies to all of college football, you know, like we're not just going to give you the, the tired narratives. You're not going to come on our website and, uh, hear us talk about how Caleb Williams is a generational first round pick and that we should, you know, just give him the second Heisman right now. Like that's, that's, that's never what this site has been about. We're going to call it as we see it. And we have a whole community of people who call it as we see it. This is an Ohio state podcast. So we're pretty heavy, um, on the Ohio state side over there too. I write about Ohio state. Ryan writes about Ohio state and some national stuff. I think probably the, the majority of our subscribers are Ohio state fans. Um, so the, the the boards are buzzing, but man, I would love people to come check it out. Um, and we have a trial run uh, going. We ha- we are in the midst of a fantastic stretch where there's 49 consecutive days of um, football, and you can get all 49 of those days. I guess it's what 40. 47 now you're down to 47 you, you still days. get four if you sign up at any point in time you still get 49 new days i guess it's kind of a weird offer at this point but okay. basically if you if you sign up for the trial yeah you get 49 days of access to the articles the podcast the forums all that good stuff for just six dollars um gives you a chance to try it out right that's yeah, what we're all about a flat rate yeah. of, of six dollars for 49 days so um yeah and if you like it you stick on pay the regular monthly price everyone else pays for 99 but if you find you want to uh you know, if you don't like it, fuck off, you know? <laughs> yeah. You don't like it here, we don't want you uh, here, so. Yeah. There's not a coupon code or anything. Kevin will just have the link in the uh, in the description of the podcast. Um, but, yeah, uh, we'd love to come have you guys join, check it out, see the membership culture. We had uh, well over 1,700 posts for the game threads over the weekend. Good God. Uh, the, uh, the USC one, especially late in the evening, was pumping. The, the, the we are, I mean – you know, we do national podcast too. We have uh, flipping the field, which is my podcast with Patrick, where we're probably going to get more into the USC and Miami debacles. Yeah. But uh, oh my god, people were losing their minds in that in that uh, the evening and late night thread. As they uh, should. Get, as they should. Yeah. Lincoln there Riley's were, a terrorist. And, uh, dude, Lincoln Riley's a terrorist. Mario Cristobal is worse. Uh, even the fucking Northwestern interim coach uh, <laughs> refused to kneel the ball, and they're winning against Howard. Like. There are just coaches who apparently, I guess it's Mario's philosophy, they don't believe in kneeling the football. Um, also, as much as I hate on Ryan Day, it could be worse. But then you remember the guy who just had the stupidest coaching decision I've ever seen in college football, had the worst loss first team ever. That guy beat Ryan Day at home in 2021. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't know how much worse it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, man, I, I just, all in all, like, that was, that was a, it was a definitely a make-me-feel-better day because it's like, well, at least – this guy isn't my team's head coach. And then it was another of, oh, well, you know, it could be worse. This guy could be my team's head coach. And then we're watching the evening yeah. slate and it's like, holy shit, I guess Lincoln Riley could be this guy, our, our team's head coach. So it was um, one of those. But man, I I have never been more vindicated than, I know this is not the podcast for this necessarily, but I've never been more vindicated about Caleb Williams than I feel the past two games. Like, I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. He's he's a really good quarterback. He's a really talented guy. But the discourse about like how he is a generational, like guaranteed to be Patrick Mahomes or better hype around him is it's insane. And, and it's 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 the clearest indication that nobody has ever actually watched him play 
and is just like regurgitating talking points of like I don't know he he probably had like two or three good games last year or whatever but like he struggles when he's in when he has to just like run an offense and yeah you just drop seven or drop eight make him sit in the pocket and he's he can't he can't play he can't do it and like and like that's not that's not to say that he couldn't learn how to do it or like you know he's not really good off script and like doing cool things like that's that's fine but like yeah god the, he's the incredible past, off script yeah, yeah art the, talent's all there but come on it's not a serious operation over there like no. it, you go to overtime with fucking arizona at home like, the week after almost losing to arizona state yeah it's the, the teams they've beaten like i think you know they played uh they played san jose state five uh arizona is now i think i think that's their biggest win of the season at this point uh arizona is currently uh three and three arizona state's one and five they beat stanford is one and four uh then they had a couple of their wins against bad teams um they're gonna they get colorado smoked. yeah they're gonna get smoked down the stretch yeah nevada is one of the two winless teams in the fbs and they, i guess they beat them too so congrats on that uh yeah they, they look really fucking shitty like i mean they play Notre Dame, Utah, uh, Cal, Washington, Oregon, UCLA in their next several games. Uh, that might be an eight and four football team. Yep, man, that's optimistic too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I wish nothing but but failure to them. Uh, yeah, that's what I can't wait for. But yeah, man. But now we get um, if you just press like the upgrade version on Lincoln Riley, I think that's kind of what you get with Ryan Day. So we yeah. are in. We're in. We're with that and. Oh man. What? My take for a couple of years has been that like Sark, Lincoln Riley, and Ryan Day are Charmillion, uh or is what uh, Charmander, Charmillion, Charizard. Yeah. Uh I, I'm wondering if I know Sark lost yesterday lost yesterday and Lincoln Riley didn't. I'm thinking I might have to switch that based on what we've seen from Texas and the USC this season. Uh yeah. Might yeah, have to that, move mean, the order. That that's that's fair. That's fair. I mean at least Sark is recruited and seemingly built a good football team and maybe Oklahoma's actually good, but man, at least we've, we've got the best one, you know, we've got the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess so. <laughs> but, man, I, I cannot getting into our actual game. I can, could not have scripted a worse start to a football game out of a bye week. Like I, I, I can't even explain what I saw in the first 10 minutes of the football game. The the fake punt, which got, okay, we're, we're going to have to get into the fake punt. Parker fucking Fleming. So like, here's the thing. We talked about this before we got on the podcast. There's debate whether or not the punt was planned um, or whether or not it went simply wrong um, or whether, so basically you were saying that people were thinking um, the ball was accidentally snapped to the up back. Yeah, I, I believe it was uh, Ross Fulton, who who is the Ohio State Exodus guy for Buckeye Huddle, who was uh, on Twitter saying that the ball got caught in the turf. That's why it was snapped errantly to the up back. I, I don't think that's correct. I think it wasn't. I think it was an intentional fake punt, fake fake punt, an intentional fake punt <laughs> that was also poorly snapped because it was caught in the turf. But that was to me an intentional fake to Cody Simon. Yeah. Um, I do not think it went accidentally to him. There there was he clearly once he had the ball in his hands, even though it was done, he had an area he was running to immediately. It did not look like he was like confused or trying to like find a pass or 
Like, that was a fake punt that Maryland knew was a fake punt. And also, Ryan Day has, like, attempted fake punts or fake onside kicks against Maryland pretty much every year he's played them since the Chase Young incident. Uh, he's constantly trying to do that. So yeah. it was just a very bad play call, a very bad execution. Um, the special teams were an absolute disaster all day, right? It wasn't just uh, the fake punt, which in for context, it was the very first drive of the game for Ohio State. Uh, they got a three and out after after fielding the kickoff. Uh, it was fourth and two hundred thirty three, and they ran for a loss of three. Um, they also got called for a they also got called for a hold on a fake uh, on a fair catch uh, shortly thereafter. How do you hold a fair catch, dude? How do you do that? Um, and I believe that very same play, they weren't even set for the punt itself. They were like out of formation as the as the ball was punted. Um, then later in the game, we got called for an illegal formation while still going up a twenty six yard return uh, on a punt. Like it was just. There was nothing they did well uh, on special teams the entire day. The whole thing was bad. Um, obviously, we know Parker Fleming is incompetent and does not have, belong for a job at this level. I mean, he was coaching D3 football uh, before he got hired as Ohio State an analyst after getting fired from Texas State for one year as a, a, as a position coach. Um, but the bigger fault here, obviously, obviously the bigger fault is on Ryan Day for not only hiring him in the first place, for bringing him back multiple times and giving him an extension and raise this offseason. It's one of the most unconscionable coach hires and coach retain like you know retainments I've ever seen in my entire life. How are they how do you do that? How do you still have this fucking loser? Yeah, it's it's almost like it's almost like it was like a he wants to prove everybody wrong sort of move. But like doubling down on a bad hire was just like good God. But like I was I was taking a little bit of solace in how atrocious the special teams were yesterday. That there's like a I'm gonna say non-zero, but it's actually significantly higher. There's probably like a 30% chance that Parker Fleming thought about our our website yesterday in the middle of the game because he knows that based on the performance yesterday, he's going to get flayed online from everybody on our on, on our site, on our boards. Um, and because yeah. we know that he has replied to flipping the field before, uh, mm-hmm. he is he is aware of the narrative. He is aware of our disdain for Parker Fleming, and so you know when that fake punt went went sideways that there was at least a little bit of him that was like, "Shit, I'm gonna have to." Yeah, you get- know, he like sat down in his car after that game and just had like a deep sigh, uh, and probably just rubbed his forehead with his hands. You know that guy was looking fucking stressed. Yeah, uh, so. we're in his walls. I have to say, we are in his walls. Um, but he deserves, look, I mean, the job's not for everybody, right? Coaching football is yeah. not for everybody. There's Especially a lot Ohio of other State. careers out there. Like, like, look, he, he's at a university, you know, Ohio State's a great university. There's a lot of career placement programs that Buckeyes offer. There, there's, you can, you can go to the job fair, right? You can get a job starting with Nationwide. Uh, you can, you can go check out Huntington. Uh, he does have a college degree, presumably. Like, I'm sure there are other jobs he can get. Um, you know, maybe he can go work for a logistics company and start like you know planning trucking routes. Maybe he can, um, maybe he has a passion for food service and can start like a a cafe somewhere in German Village. Yeah, There's a lot of things Parker Fleming could do that aren't coaching football, and he you should know, pursue them as soon as possible. In fact, um, last year over the off season, I um, I had an AI write several other things that Parker Fleming should consider doing. Um, <laughs> instead of instead of writing for 
um, or instead of working for Ohio State. Um, one, I'll, re- I'll read an excerpt from, from ChatGPT. One of Fleming's most unique skills is his ability to land jobs despite being massively underqualified. This trait could make him excellent fit for a sales role, where his ability to build relationships and connect with people could help him succeed, even though he lacks complete <laughs> experience in the field. So, <laughs> kind of a Barton Fink situation. Maybe he could like talk his way into a CEO role somewhere as like a puppet for the board. Yeah, um, that could work out well for him. Maybe he could um, have like a Billy Madison style inheritance from like a, a rich, like you know, forgotten uncle he he didn't know about. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Get into day trading, dude. You got plenty of cash on hand. They're paying you almost a fucking million dollars a year. Uh... <laughs> Good God. Yeah. So, um, all that to say, uh, it's, it's, again, we hit on this all the time, but it's not even that he's bad at his job. It's that Ohio State is one of the only serious programs in college football to employ a full time special teams coordinator, and their special teams suck. Like, it'd be one thing if the special teams were, like, awesome, and then you're having the debate. It's like, okay, is this worth it? Is it not worth it? But they're wasting a coaching position on this, and the special teams suck. So, like, what, yeah. are, what are we doing here? Like, there's there's other programs that, like, do um, use, use that 10th assistant in a creative way or whatever. Like, Michigan State employs a pass rush specialist, and to their credit, like, their pass rush got significantly yeah. better after they did that. a very funny name for him? Didn't they give him like a his ridiculous title? I don't remember what his title is, but it's something. It is something that. odd. But I mean, to their credit, like that's very funny and like it's it's easy to make fun of. But look at their numbers; their pass rushing like greatly increased this year. Like it was a a significant increase in their production at, at the defensive end and and their uh, defensive line. So I mean, at least they're doing something with their tenth assistant. Like ours is just chilling for for lack of a better word like it god it's infuriating it's not even my money and i'm mad that it's going to parker fleming yeah yeah i i think um someone i forget is it maybe lsu or Ole Miss, one of the sec teams employs a uh they call it a game breaker coordinator or something like that which is like their version of your team's coach imagine if i mean we get a lot more content if they call it parker fleming the game breaking coordinator or something yeah man they That'd need a really cool name funny. for him at least they should have given him they should, a call him, they should call him the flipping the field coordinator that that's yeah. should be the name yeah. oh god yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be way better um yeah he's a complete loser and failure um, it sucks he has a job it's very embarrassing and they just i think like the more frustrating part we know Ryan Day is a very media dependent media, like he's a high level consumer of media, right? Ryan Day mm-hmm. reads all the narratives at Ohio State, listens to all of them constantly. I genuinely think he feels a pressure to do more special teams fakes and try to lean more on like them proving he's right to have this guy. So he keeps calling these fucking ridiculous fakes and other plays. Like they keep trying this shit because he feels like he has to get his money's worth out of Parker Fleming's contract. Do you think that's do you think there's anything to that? I really do believe that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even sure it's get his money's worth. I think it's just giving him opportunities to prove himself so that Ryan Day looks like less of an asshole. Because yeah. I'm like like straight up, he knows at this point, like, even if it's not us, like our our disdain for Parker Fleming has overflowed where it's like a pretty it's a pretty it's a normal like, take though. It, yeah. It's yeah. it's a normal take that Parker Fleming sucks. Like it's not it's not just us. Like we're not just like you know yelling in a cave somewhere. Like the average Ohio State fan 
thinks that Parker Fleming sucks. And so, like, I think at this point, it is just Ryan Day trying to, like, you know, give Parker Fleming a chance to, like, validate himself to Ohio State fans. And it's very funny that he fails every time. Every time. Yeah. I mean, every, it's it's, like, comically funny. He's kind of the fucking... Uh, road or the wily coyote of of college football um he's always going to find some new disastrous way for it to blow up in his face and the team ends covered in soot and tar somehow uh after dynamite explodes in their hand yeah it also shouldn't be fucking hard man like it should not be hard you have the better players in the field and every game you play unless you're playing georgia or alabama like you have the better athletes in the field and against 131 fbs teams or 130 fbs teams yeah i mean uh, they're there's a reason why Ohio State special teams were always off, like awesome before Parker Fleming took over. Like the the whole tip of the spear thing and the whole like cutting your teeth on special teams before you get to play sort of thing. Like the piranhas, remember the piranhas? Yep. Yeah. That, I mean that that was a whole mentality. It was a whole culture of like greatness at Ohio State. Now it's just like we're yeah. gonna run some fakes and maybe they're gonna work. I don't know. It's, right before before Zeke Elliott ever became Zeke Elliott, he blew up that fucker on Purdue. Yeah, uh, on, on a kickoff. kickoff or something. Yeah, yeah. And like, where's uh, where's that? I haven't seen that in a long time. I don't know. That it's, 2015 Notre Dame game was awesome. It just felt like every time Notre Dame got the ball, they were getting tackled inside their own 10 yard line. Yep. We were just so much bigger and faster. And like, um, Urban Urban Meyer used to call special teams the tip of the spear because it was like, I mean, that's that's definitely a coaching, like a extremely coached yeah. thing to say. But like at the same time, he loves like his just, military analogies. Yeah, yeah. It, it just shows it shows a, a level of importance to the position, and now it's just like a, you know, we'll we'll, we'll get by. You know, it's just yeah. a, and and like I I was just getting ready to say, um, something along the lines of like, you know, like this is really frustrating, but it's not like the wouldn't rank the top five most important problems with the team right now, and that's the problem because it, like it's it's fine, it's not a huge deal. It might cost Ohio State a game down the line. It might not. Like it, it is something that is like it's just not an asset for Ohio State right now. But the problem is again, you're employing somebody as a full time special teams coordinator to do this, and it's like it should be great, and it's just decidedly below average at this point. So, yeah, I mean, we can start talking about the offense because uh they <laughs> they got i believe one first down i'm gonna double check that it was uh, uh sorry two first downs the entire first half yeah um they punted uh, or would have punted if we're not for the fake punt uh on each of their first five possessions um the offense looked really really shitty uh on saturday um yeah especially running the ball yeah it is, and you can say they're without Trey Henderson or whatever, but I think the problems go beyond that. I mean, oh, it, it was it, just... it is it is not Trey Henderson. I I mean, to their credit, Fox did a great job in the broadcast of highlighting just how terrible the offensive line was to the average person um, in terms of yeah. run blocking, and just explaining that if the offensive line isn't, if no member of the offensive line is getting to the second level, that means that there are essentially two free hitting linebackers that just have a free path to whoever is running the ball. And like, what are you going to do? You know, like I, you, I football is not designed for a running back to just simply break two tackles and keep every play. Like that's, that's not, that's not realistic. And like, I, I, I know nobody listening to this podcast, but like the casual take is just going to be like, Oh, you know, chip train them sucks. And like the reason why the running game wasn't good, like they need to give, Trey a try or they need to get Dallin Hayden a try or whatever. There's no running back 
that behind that offensive line yesterday was going to be successful. Like it, it just wasn't no. going to happen. They, like, and I don't think that the play call necessarily helped, especially running um, horizontally, like they did the the runs to the boundary, um, runs to the field. Even. Yeah. They, they did the have the pitch. stretch was, they, was very present again. Yeah. yeah. They, they did have that pitch to the, um, to the field. That was a touchdown for, for uh, Trey and but like largely anything to the, to the side of the field was not working, um, especially to the left. Like, God, it was yeah. it was horrific. Josh just, Simmons had was was really really bad. Donovan Jackson I mean, was not good. Um, Josh Fryer probably had his worst game as a black guy yet. Yeah. Um, I'll say I didn't really notice Carson Hinsman or Matt Jones aside from that no, one did the, I. the one boundary stretch where uh, where Josh Fryer seemed to only block Matt Jones. Um, yeah, that was cool. Um, was the only person he blocked. Yeah, he was I think supposed to pass off uh, the end to Jones and instead just turned his back to the play. Very bizarre move by Fryer. Um, but look, but largely I did not notice Vince or Jones. Um, the other three were, were, were really bad. Um, and even like, though Jackson, Jackson was bad, probably his least bad game of the season. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. You, uh, yeah. And I think the thing is they were mostly fine in pass pro. They're most, yeah. they're mostly fine in pass pro. Um, at least later in the game too. But I think a, a lot of people too, like the, the thing with, um, with Trey Henderson being out too, is that I, I don't even really mean this as like a, a a shot at Trey. Like that's this is not really what it's intended for. But Trey is the worst of all the running backs at like following his blocks. And like he generally makes the offensive line look worse than they are. And so like putting mm-hmm. him in there wasn't really gonna fix these problems. So I think it's just kind of like like you're saying like it people are gonna write it off just because Trey wasn't in the game, like problems with the running game. I think that like if anything, the offensive line should have looked better with Chip running than when Trey plays. Yeah, they can't execute any kind of zone blocking run scheme. It's insane. Uh, they, yeah, they they I mean and part of that is because I don't think the offensive linemen know what they're doing very much. Like those guys can't read, they can't get to the second level. They don't move well enough in space to like to be able to get to that second level, like you said, and get out to the linebackers, uh, like we talked about. And, and Trey, especially when he's in the game, obviously he did not play on Saturday. He was out. Um, they didn't announce why, as as always, there was never announced, but, but Trey was out. Um he can't read the zone blocking plays. He has to run a gap, a gap blocking, like a, a gap blocking rush. You have to tell him exactly what gap to hit, and if it's there, he'll take it for 60 yards. And if it's not, he will run into someone's ass. Uh, that's kind of his whole thing. Um, a chip in my end had a little bit better feel for a zone, but there's still, I mean, like there's just not a lot to do with it because they can't block them. They cannot block the zone plays. Um, Ohio State should be running more gap stuff. Uh, but it's also frustrating to say like, you know, you're Ohio State, you have X number of four and five stars in the roster, even at offensive line, we're recruiting that been great. Uh, and you can't do any kind of gap blocking scheme. It's just zone like block, it's, a, it's yeah. a ridiculous thing to say. Zone block, sorry. Yeah, it's a ridiculous thing to be able to say. Um, and even and, like, look, obviously Greg Stujawa had to go, but Ryan Day got rid of him two years too late. The recruiting problems of his are still showing their head. They were allowed to compound for too long. And then he like handpicks his buddy Justin Fry to come in from UCLA, gives Fry essentially, from what I can tell, no control over the run scheme whatsoever. It looks nothing mm-hmm. like any of the design. We've seen from previous Justin Fry teams or previous Chip Kelly teams, the, the tree that Fry comes out of. Um, he appears to have no influence. 
The on-the-field product's not very good, and the recruiting, frankly, hasn't improved that much. He's giving better effort, obviously. Like, we're in the game for a lot more big-time kids because he actually picks up the phone and calls them and does his work, but he's not getting the results. Like, he's not he's not getting results in recruiting. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it's just, like, it's continued staff management stuff we talked about for years with Ryan Day that are still showing their head. Like, I don't think – I think Fry has been a pretty major disappointment so far as offensive line coach. I'm not on the fire him train yet. It's too early for all that uh, because – you know, a lack of continuity at this point is a bigger problem than I think mm-hmm. replacing him. Um, but it's been pretty frustrating to date. I, I think the only pushback I would have there is the fact that they are running gap blocking scheme is a significant change from Stadrawa. Stud was a do or die by his own blocking scheme. Um for, for better or for worse. And I would shudder to think what would happen if he was currently coaching this offensive line because it's very clear that um, a pure zone-blocking scheme is not working with this offensive line in this running game. So um, I, I think there have been subtle changes, but you're right. It's really bizarre. Um, we haven't seen... We haven't seen, like, a Justin Fry offense, um, probably because it's Ryan Day's offense and Justin Fry is just working his way into it. But, like... Justin Fry loves to use tight ends creatively. He loves to use them, um, you know, is is pass blockers, and maybe that has to do with personnel or whatever. Um, but man, th- like the offense just does not have the Justin Fry flavor in the running game or the passing game that it had at UCLA that I was excited about. So um, that's for sure on the guy that insists on still running the offense while hiring people to help him run the offense. So. Um, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's it's very frustrating. I don't like it, it sucks to even say like even consider firing him because again, I think the problem isn't necessarily even like you're, you're right. He hasn't been recruiting at a super high level, but I don't think the problem is necessarily like him. It's that he, if anything, isn't being given enough control to make enough of an impact. And I don't even think we've seen enough of him to know whether or not he should be fired. Yeah. Yeah, just um, just a very frustrating confounding game in the run game completely, and and the passing game like other than you know basically the the play of hey Marvin Harrison's wide open all the time or Marvin Harrison yeah. didn't catch anything, the rest of it didn't work very well, right? They had the one hit to Kate Snover for a touchdown, uh, where Kate got wide open. They had another leak play where Kate got open. They couldn't get the ball to him. Um, like. I know you can look at Kyle McCord's stats and say basically, oh, he completed two-thirds of his passes, 320 yards, 11 yards in attempt. If you watch that game, Kyle just, like, they are scheming guys open to a certain level, and Kyle is missing so many throws. Like, he had yeah. two other throws that should have been touchdowns had he not underthrown the ball. Yep. He probably had four or five underthrows plus the one overthrow uh, to Marv. Like, just he missed quite a few throws that were very frustrating to watch. I mean, it's just like... Well, and you even say underthrow. I even pushed back that they were they were to be clear a hundred percent underthrown. Yeah, they were late. They were late. Yeah, they're late. And so he's very often. He saw it way too late. Like the 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 Marv throw. If that comes out when he when Marvin Harrison is breaking open, it's a touchdown. Same with the Julian Fleming throw where he underthrew him. Like he couldn't overthrow him because he was right on the sideline. He had to put the ball where it did. But that's a pattern. We've seen that a few times where there's a guy wide open and he has to underthrow it to get him the ball because he saw him way too late. Even on the almost pick this other day, and he had he had K if he sees K fast yep. enough, he gets. I mean, it's touchdown. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it happens a lot. Like, I, I just don't think he processes that well so far. Um, and I think my critique of him in the, in the offseason, based on what we'd seen, is that based on some of his film stuff and just what we've seen at Ohio State in the spring game, that he puts the ball in harm's way too often because he trusts his arm too much. I actually don't think it's that. I yep. think he's putting the ball uh, in harm's way because he's seeing people come open too late and is not aware of the field. 100%. I mean, like, I, I think – there are still things about Kyle. Like obviously, you know that that game-winning drive against Notre Dame, he he was awesome on third and fourth down. They had to have it, but like just in general, I, I think we it's fair to say based on what we've seen from him, he's a pretty serious step back from the previous three quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, from the totally Stroud, Field, Haskins era. Yeah, and kind of my thought was, and I don't know, maybe part of this too is Ryan Day has not really changed the offensive passing game design at all. From what Field and and Stroud ran, uh, Field and Fields, <laughs> Jesus and Christ, Fields and Stroud are running. Uh, I can't talk today. Um, some of the plays they were calling for Dwayne Haskins, and Dwayne had a different problems with the offense. Where uh, Dwayne just didn't really study the playbook or, or film, uh, so they had to keep the game simple for him and just get rhythm throws. And they had the receivers to run a ton of mesh. It was very successful. A ton of other kind of quick hitting passes that got him into a rhythm. Then he had just some incredible ball placement down the field. Um, I think McCord is capable of stuff too. I think they were getting more rhythm throws, especially given the struggles in the running game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would think getting easy automatic pass completions for short to medium yards, crossers, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like there is stuff you can do here, quick, like checks into slant. Like there's stuff you could be doing to make the game simpler, to give him one read, quick throws. The way, like for example, Alabama yesterday against uh, against Texas A and M, like. Kyle McCord is not Jalen Milrow. I should clarify this. But they recognize they have a problem with Jalen Milrow. And what they did against uh, both against Ole Miss yesterday, or against AM yesterday, apologies, uh, and uh, a little bit against Ole Miss, but also against Middle Tennessee throughout the season, is they gave the guy a bunch of one read quick throws. And if you don't have it, you have another. Like, uh, I guess in his case, they have a run option for him. In McCord's case, like, I don't know, get get another quick option for him, right? Get, get a second or third yeah. read that should be coming open. They're just not getting him quick throw options. He has to sit in the pocket way too long. And like you can just see the wheels turning his brain when he's sitting back there. Yeah, and I think he's at his best when – I think he's thinking too much. I think that's the that's the critique, and that's what I see. Like you were saying, uh, your concern heading into the season was that he had so much confidence in his arm and that he was going to put the ball in harm's way too often. I wish that was the case. Like, I wish that yeah. he was back there saying, like, I can make any throw and trying to make any throw. Because I think, like, more often than not, he would make the throw. And I think you can yeah. see that. It's the opposite. When, he's freezing. He's yeah. freezing, yeah. and he's he's not trusting his instincts. He's not trusting himself. He's not trusting his arm. He's waiting until he sees somebody that he is sure is open, and he's throwing the ball. And, like, that's, that's 100. You can see that with how late he is on all of these throws. And I think that's, like, that's super frustrating because the times when – he just has to make a throw. Like when he's back there and he's just like, I, I have no choice but to make this throw right here. It's a great throw. Yep. Like you saw when it was it was second and 28 or whatever, and he dropped that perfect ball into Marv on the sideline. Like you could not have thrown a better ball than that. And it was simply yeah. because he didn't have a choice. Like that was where the ball had to go and he made the play. Um, and you saw that that was the whole Notre Dame drive, like the whole final drive. It's like, well, you know, if there's one throw I can make right here and it's between four guys in the middle of the field to Marv or like, this perfect ball to a mech. Like there, there's several times when it's like he has one throw that he has to make and he makes it. And I just like 
can we find a way to just put insane amount of pressure on him every single throw that he makes so that he just like <laughs> knows that he has to make that throw? Like, yeah. it's really bizarre. And so, like, I do in a sense understand why Ryan Day hasn't changed the offense because, like, at his best and when he's playing with confidence, you shouldn't need to. Like, he can make these throws. It's not that he can't do it. And more than that, I wouldn't be surprised if he does it in practice when there's not a whole lot of pressure. He's not overthinking it and stuff. He's just like doing it. Like, I, I get why you don't change the offense, but when it's when it's become a pattern at this point and a few times when he's just not making the throws he needs to make or he's late on things, you do need to start, you know, building that into the offense. And um, I, I think to a point they did do that. Um, they had There were a couple, maybe one, maybe I'm, I'm speak, thinking of one specific play to Xavier Johnson, which is a little like get him open, let him create uh, create space after Emeka yeah. Luka went out. Um, you know, th- there are def- that does exist to a point, but... Um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. And I, it's, I, again, what's, what's more frustrating is it's not because he is like a, I don't think he is a bad quarterback. I think he is an inconsistent quarterback and that's even more frustrating than him just being bad. Like if he was just Joe Bowserman, like I'd be like, ah, you know, this is who it is. And I blame Ryan day for not having a better quarterback, but like he is a good quarterback and he shows it in flashes. He just isn't doing it consistently. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. It's I don't know what the comp is. I mean, maybe it's like pre Penn State twenty seventeen JT Barrett, where it's like you just you see the potential there, but he's not really kind of pulling the trigger. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Pretty pretty frustrating. But I mean, look, I, I am I am concerned of what this defense can do against the Penn State team that can actually create pressure. Like, you know, to be fair, Notre Dame's defensive line could, but, like, when you look at, like, Penn State's team, like, the defensive backs they have, the pressure they create, that's the big concern. And I know Penn State probably can't score the football very much in a serious team based on how their offense looks, but Ohio State's offense has to figure out something to make this look a little bit easier and to figure out how to get some rhythm plays to move the football, to have a fucking staple. Like, ha- like, not a staple you call that doesn't work like boundary stretch, but to have a staple that actually works for you, you can rely on to go get yourself, you know, uh, on a first, second down, go get four or five yards, uh, you know, on a second or third down, have a, a play you're pretty confident you can get a guy open more often than not. Uh, I just don't think they have a lot of those plays. I don't think they really – we talked about it before. What is the identity of the offense? What is, like, the plan? What are they trying yeah. to do? And I don't think they know. I don't think we know. Um, it just looks like a cheesecake factory menu full of plays and are options, none of which have any relation to one another or have any kind of coherent plan. Yeah. Um, and it's it's part of that is this idea of Ryan Day doing too much, right? Of him just kind of consistently putting too much on his own plate. And I, I think the cracks start to show at certain times. Uh, and they certainly did it on Saturday. And I mean, look, people are going to get to the end of the season and say, oh, well, Maryland won eight or nine games. Like, that's not a bad football team. Like, it's a 20-point win over an eight or yeah. nine win ranked team. But, like, you know, Maryland plays three serious football teams all season. They're not going to play anybody all year. Uh, it's um, – I don't know, man. It just drives me nuts. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a completely unsatisfying win. Like, it was. It's – it's. I don't know. I, I guess – before we're, we're going to talk about the defense in a second, but we are going to hear from our um, glorious one and only sponsor, um, Home Field Apparel. Um, you know, we may have been mad at that game, but we certainly were not mad at what we were wearing. Um, 
No, sir. No. We we were we were we were angry. Our hearts were were mad, but um, we were our our souls were you know warm by the home field hoodies that we were wearing um, as as we were watching our beloved Bucks. Uh, yeah. Kind of shit in the bed, for lack of a better term, against Maryland for a large chunk of the game. Um, but we, you know, we looked good, and I think that's the only thing we can we can really say is like, no matter how bad things got, like we we looked good and we felt good. Yeah, you and I are constantly being stopped in the street. People saying how handsome we are. It happens to us a lot, but even yeah. more so when we wear home field apparel. Hundred um, percent. Uh, it's almost getting cold enough. It's like finally getting to that point where it's time to break out the fleece quarter zip uh, from home field or the Buckeye fleece quarter zip. Yeah. Um, and look, uh, if you are a free only listener, does not hear our premium podcast. Uh, we are just around the corner from it. I'll, I'll tell you this. Probably by next time you hear us, there's going to be a little news coming out of new drop. Uh, I can't say what it is. I'm, I'm sworn to secrecy, but there's something coming right around the corner very, very soon. Uh, that is so sick that we cannot wait for. Um, Kevin's heard the details. He knows what's coming. I know the details. We can't let you guys know. We're we're true insiders. We're basically Nevada Buck and Kirk Barton over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we you know the, the helping technician is telling us not what the what the inside scoop is. Um, <laughs> we're hearing from the Oracle. Uh, but yeah, look, it's really cool gear coming. Um, and the gear they already have is fantastic. You should get some now. You should get some more then. Uh, Homefield's Ohio State stuff is that Ohio State stuff is excellent. And they have a lot of other great gear too from other teams. If you like are, are one of those guys who went to a Mac school but is an Ohio State fan, uh, you know the Ohio U gear, the Bowling Green gear, all this stuff is awesome. Um, just tons of great options around the country. If you're you know went to grad school for a different university, uh, I know we have a couple guys on our boards who like went to Ohio State for undergrad, and then got to you know Kentucky or Georgia for graduate degrees. A lot of awesome other gear around there. If you have friends or family in your life that are not annoying college football fans who like other teams and you actually like them, uh, get them some stuff. Just just a lot of fantastic gear. If you want to get uh, 15% off your first order, use the code meet at midfield, all one word, M-E-E-T-A-T-M-I-D-F-I-E-L-D. You guys can spell, you get it. Uh, <laughs> use that code 15% off your first order and buy some home field. Um, Kevin? Uh, let's talk about the defense. I thought they were pretty great on Saturday. Yeah, they were. I, I think, I mean, what a bizarre world where, you know, I'm just leaning on the defense to just keep things close until the offense can figure shit out. And I, I will say, before we even get into the defense, it's also wild that that seems like it could be a viable strategy this season because it seems like eventually the offense is going to score enough points or make, like, a couple big plays or whatever if the defense can do its job. So, um, you know, maybe maybe that's actually a thing. It would be it'd be very funny if that's the way that Ohio State played this the entire year. But um, man, yeah, the defense played great. Um, I I think we, I I think I am officially at the point where um, I need to give Josh Proctor a public apology. Um, and to be fair, to be fair, I don't think I ever outright said Josh Proctor is bad like I did for Cam Martinez. Cam Martinez is bad. Yeah. I'll Josh, take a couple. I did. Yeah. Josh Proctor, I just thought it was insane to suggest that he was better than guys who I thought had already proven that they were good. And I don't think Josh Proctor had proven himself one way or another. Um, he, okay. He did have like that one bad play against Notre Dame and didn't know where he was when he went right back on out on the field um, earlier that season. So that was concerning for sure. But I mean, look, he, he has been balling out this year. Um, he had a he pick six. really, really well. 
he's yeah. he's he's played really really well pretty much you know every game that he's played in um and you know he had the pick six in this game uh he made several good plays to be honest and yeah. he has been um you know a very very good player in this secondary and i i remember i vividly remember last year before the season started jim Knowles said that he had the talent to be the best safety in america of josh proctor and after seeing the two plays basically that he played last year and then getting benched i was like well that's a bizarre thing to say um Mm -hmm. but you know like i i'm not saying that he's the best safety in america right now but i'm seeing more of what jim Knowles saw last year and I am glad that he has done what he needs to do to be able to stay on the field. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, I think he, like, obviously he said, looked fantastic. Had a few big plays against Indiana early in the season. Has kind of just been playing around the football a lot. Um, some of the way, like, they call, especially their cover three coverage, like, they will, uh, on a run play, they rotate him more into the box a lot more often, and it mm-hmm. works really well for them. Uh, he does play well in the box. I think his feel and the deep balls got a lot better. Uh, yeah, I've been really happy with just the way he sees the football field and reacts. Uh, I mean, it's totaled me a couple for me. I was wrong about him. I did not have him correct. Uh, he has played really, really well. Um, I don't know what we could have seen prior to this year to expect this, to be fair. <laughs> I don't yeah. think there was there were any indicators this was coming. That, I mean, aside, unless you want to go back to like the 2019 Wisconsin Big Ten title game. Uh, <laughs> but like, it's, it's, it's really cool to see him do this. Uh, and be this effective and make big plays like this. Yeah, and uh, I, I think I think something too that um, I forget, and I think sometimes we overlook in this podcast too, is that sometimes guys just get better. You know, like this is college football. It seemed weird to expect him to magically get better in what is sixth year or whatever. But like yeah. sometimes players just like simply get better and perform better. Um, and you know, they're they're still in a lot of ways young and inexperienced football players. He was an inexperienced guy, even though he was in his sixth year and was a veteran or whatever. He didn't play on the field a lot. Um, He's a veteran of fucking Vietnam at this age. Yeah, right. Uh, But, I I mean, sometimes (laughs) guys just get better, and uh, I think that's what seems to have happened here, and credit to him. I mean, he's made several big plays, and that pick six was, man, it it seems insane to say, but does Ohio State win that game if he doesn't get that pick six? Ooh, I mean, that was such a momentum-turning play. Like, just, the, I mean, I don't know. That's a legitimate question because like, at that point, uh, Maryland had been up already 10 nothing, and had also had another turnover on downs inside the Ohio State. What was that, inside the 10-yard line? Yeah. Uh, inside the 20-yard, the 25-yard line. Yeah, I mean, they they easily could have been going up well, 17 or 20 to nothing. Exactly. And, like, the, I don't know, it was just, like, it, it kind of like that when they when he got that pick six, it was just an overwhelming feeling of like, oh, okay, this game's gonna be fine, you know, like yeah, it, it might not be pretty, but like they're gonna win, sort of thing. And if that doesn't happen, and the offense still gives starts giving clunker and clunker and clunker every other drive, like I I don't know. So um, it maybe it seems like an overreaction to say that that was like the the like play of the game. It probably was the play of the game, but I think like, it was the play of the game. Yeah, because I mean after that play. I mean, Maryland had, like, the one drive to end the half where they completely fucking freaked it. And, uh, like, entirely of their own fault, they they just did not get lined up. They weren't playing football. Like, they just had no – I can understand what they were doing at the end of the half. But besides that point, uh, they also had the touchdown drive to start the half. Like, they had those two drives right before and after the half. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they didn't move the football the rest of the day. Uh, I mean, the other drives after the pick six were five plays, 12 
yards punt, three plays, negative 16 yards punt, seven play, 25-yard interception, four plays, 11 yards punt, four plays, negative eight yards, turnover on downs, three plays, negative two yards punt, three plays, five yards punt. Yeah. Uh, the highest defense was completely locked down after that play uh, on, what, six of Maryland's eight possessions after that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and, and the safeties overall were great too. I yes, say. I was going to say just Proctor. Yeah, yeah, Ransom made a couple great plays in coverage. Um, Sonny Styles, he he was fine in coverage. I, I I think he was. I mean, he's much better as a essentially a linebacker. Um, he got beat at least once. Uh, I haven't watched the game twice, but I, at least once he got beat in coverage. Um, I noticed that they didn't sub him out on a third down, and I explicitly watched, and he got beat. So. Um, yeah, Deshaun Jones beat him. Yeah, I, and I will say, like, that one catch that he gave up on the sideline, he was in perfect position, and Jason yeah. Jones just made a great play. I yeah. mean, you could argue he should get his head around there, but, like, that's the hard thing to, it is it back is. to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, they, they were going after him a couple of times. I think there were two or three completions on him, but he also had that nice play in the backfield. He had a nice tackle for a loss. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's, um, he's definitely a, a you, you take what he gives you sort of player and you live with 100%. What, you know, it's it's worth having him on the field for what he brings. Um, I don't and think also, any... oh, sorry. I was going to say, I, on, on a day where the, the corners were as bad as they were, like, but Burke had that one the one mess up, but mostly it was very good. Uh, Iggy and Hancock were really bad. So, yeah. like, Sonny had a couple non-ideal plays, but the presence he gives you in attacking the passer uh, and then just in the run game was worth it, given how discombobulated Hancock and, and Iggy looked. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think I think getting if we're just going to work ourselves in the linebackers were uh, also pretty bad. Um, I, I think Tommy Eichenberg was fine. Um, Steel Chambers had a, a few just absolutely brutal plays in uh, in the running game. Um, man, I just I don't love the I don't love the scheme of having them react, having to have them react the way that they do. It seems like they just don't play downhill, or um, they're just not playing with confidence. And I, that, like to me, that has to be scheme more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Because I mean, teams are now seen at multiple weeks. They're they're attacking. I thought. I mean, Steele was as bad as I've ever seen from him. Like, yeah. my God, he got shaken out of his shoes on that uh, on the <laughs> touchdown. Um, just in general, he didn't know where he was at. Uh, they brought in Cody Simon for him for quite a few stretches. Cody's also not very good. Like, I, I think to the point when you see three different linebackers play and all of them fail to react appropriately, Yeah, uh, it's a scheme problem. I continue to think it'd be better, as we talked about many, many times, to be better served by essentially playing Sonny as a linebacker mm-hmm. uh, with Eichenberg, even though Eichenberg is not good either, uh, and play Mitchell Melton uh, and kind of get after the, the pass a little bit more. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, or, or, you know. So. I don't know. I don't know. What, it's what it's the- just not. What they did instead, a lot of times, and I, like I don't even hate this because it seemed to work relatively fine, is they went with a three-man, uh, three-man line and dropped either um, JT or Jack, mostly Jack, into coverage as essentially like a Jack linebacker sort of thing. It's right. really weird. What is the best? Like, do, uh, we've seen reps from JT. Like JT is not very good in coverage. She did no. that awesome pick or near pick against. He, State, he's right? he's great if he knows the exact play that they're running and he can. Yeah, if he if he sees it on film, I can just replicate what he's supposed to do. It's awesome. Yeah, but like Jack cannot cover at all. Obviously, Jack has no feel for it. 
And you also have a jack position with Mitchell Melton, a guy who actually right. has to cover. Who trains at that, you should yeah. be doing that. Right. Like, is it just, like, are they not doing that because of Larry Johnson's insistence on playing four down linemen? Is that the I only have, reason why? I really have no idea. Um, I, I, will, I, I will say, I think that Jack has been better in coverage this year than JT has. I think JT's good in flashes, but Zach, Jack is yeah. a little more consistent. Um, there's been there have been a few times where he has been, I mean, at least in the vicinity, and able to make a play. Um, I'm not going to yeah. say that he can run down a field and cover somebody, but like if he if you tell him to go to the flats and that's your zone, like that's fine. Um, yeah, I mean it's a stoppable object versus the movable force, right? With those two are coverage, it's right? A, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's what it is. But um, but so like that that kind of did solve the problem a little bit because it just creates it puts more bodies out there. Um, and for whatever reason, the three man pass rush was just like. It was it was working fine, you know. I credit to the credit to the defensive line. They didn't get home a lot, which has been the problem. Um, but they were cre- they were seemingly creating more pressure against the Maryland offensive line than they have in any of the previous games. So, yeah, Caden um, Curry looked really good. He did, he did. Kenyatta Jackson played too. That was the other yep. thing that drove me. He insane. got held badly. He did. He did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. That was horrible. Um, Mike Hall got held really badly at one point too. Uh, there, Michael there few... also had that idiotic roughing the pass that was purely his fault. That was yeah. such a stupid. Play. Yeah, that that was really stupid too. Um, but um, like by and large, I think that the defensive line played. I mean, maybe maybe their best pass rushing game of the season. Um, and the we're talking about idiotic coaching decisions. When Ohio State played Notre Dame and Jack Sawyer and JT Tumaloa played the entire game, every snap. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like everybody's praising Jack and JT for for doing that, and like. Credit to them, like they, they, the fact that they were able to perform even to the level that they were against Notre Dame while playing all of those snaps, like that's damn near miraculous. Um, but that should never should have happened. Like never, never should have happened. And to to their credit, they did rotate defensive ends a lot more this game. Kenyatta Jackson and Caden Curry both played, um, both looked perfectly fine. So um, I, there cannot be another yeah. game where Jack Sawyer and JT Tomalo don't or play every no, snap. Of course. I thought Ty Hamilton quietly probably played his best game mm-hmm. this season. Yeah, he had a few good plays. Um, yeah. Um, just did his job. Like, didn't do anything flashy, but just played well. Execute assignments. Happy with him. Um, yeah, quiet day from Tyleek, I guess. But uh, but he was fine. I mean, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, Maryland wasn't doing a ton that allowed him to make a play, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I, overall, uh, any complaints the defense would be nitpicking. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess they did ultimately give up what three or four longer drives, but that's that they they held they had to held had to hold. Uh, yeah, they, they played pretty well overall. And this um, was this was I mentioned it in the preview. This is also like the um, or in my 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 preview article. This was by far the most well rounded team that Ohio State has played so far uh, on on yeah. offense. Um, I mean, even if they're not great at anything they do. Like they're a team that can run the football and can throw the ball pretty well, yeah. and so this was really the the first like test of Ohio State couldn't really do anything to scheme strengths away. They had to just kind of play base and go for it, and I, I thought they performed fine. And we've also now seen Notre Dame's offense get very heavily limited in three consecutive games. Yeah, they uh, suck. Yeah, which makes that game more concerning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, like when Maryland scored, it was once it was the first touchdown was on a short field on, on the on the bad fake punt. Um they probably should have scored 
on uh, on that next drive of theirs, their second drive, where they turned it over on downs based on just a horrendous play call on fourth down. That quarterback power was completely baffling. Then they went and got the field goal. Then they threw the pick six, then punted, then punted, then had that long drive in the half where Denzel had a pass interference penalty and Mike extended the drive uh, with the roughing the pass. Again, they should have scored on. Uh, that was they bailed Ohio State out in a really bizarre way. Um, so thank you for them for that. And they gave it a long touchdown drive to start the half. So, I mean, the defense was not perfect. I'll say this about Ohio State's defense. They have been keeping teams largely off the scoreboard for the most part, which is obviously the most important cool. thing to do as a defense. Yeah. However, if you're looking for underlying numbers, I think they are a very good defense that is a slightly improved version of last year's. Um, I do not think they are in the same tier of like elite as like Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Penn State, mm-hmm. and probably Utah. I'd put in that category as well. Um, uh, Oklahoma's defense also has had some some good games, but I'm not sold on them yet. Uh, yeah, it's a solid defense that I think has some room to grow. Uh, but you see the pieces there, and they can keep getting better. Um, just some little mistakes when they got cleaned up, and I, th- I think they probably have an issue at, at the second corner spot. I know the Hancock or Iggy have looked good this season for the most part. Um, at least, like, n- not good enough that – I mean, look, there aren't a lot of teams that can attack your second yeah. corner. I think Michigan's receivers have improved. That is a concern. Uh, but I, I want to see some more, I guess, out of the second corner spot. And I just think some of the – some of the designs and the problems of the linebackers is concerning to the point where I'm just have them just a, a half tier or a tier below those those top four or five teams. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely pieces there where you could be excited about. Yeah, I think it's the the difference is, is that it is it is a very stingy de- defense in terms of what it's going to allow. Um, I don't I, like the the switch from last year is there really aren't a lot of big plays at all being given up. Um, doesn't get up a lot of points, but. The, the next tier, it doesn't actually like create chaos or um, defensive turnovers at a really high rate or negative plays or get teams off script or anything like that. So it is a very good keep everything in front of you, stop you defense. It's not a very good set the tone, dominate the game sort of defense. So um, and like to be fair, that should be fine if the offense was living up to its part of the bargain. And it's not really like if. If the, if you put this defense on last year's team, it's a fantastic team. So it's kind of is what it is. Yeah, yeah, and I guess I would also say that like they haven't played the most awesome offenses in the world, I and mean, they played really well against Western Kentucky, which is good. But I mean, Notre Dame is sixty first in red zone scoring percentage. Maryland sixty sixth, and Indiana's one hundred seventeenth. Yep. Um, so. <laughs> like some of the things where they're, they're holding teams out of the, uh, at the end zone when they have scoring opportunities is true, and I'm happy about it. But I think some more improvements schematically would benefit them as they start to play real opponents. And again, Penn State's offense kind of sucks too, right? Like Penn State has not been very impressive on offense. They're tied for 27th in, in red zone scoring percentage. Um, they have some underlying problems we've seen as well. But uh yeah, look, I mean, they, they need to make some improvements, uh, I think, before playing Penn State and Wisconsin. And then obviously the big game when we have the year is Michigan, where I think Michigan has looked significantly improved on offense to me this season. Yeah, so all in all, it was not a was not a good performance across the board. But um, again, 
when you put point win cover yeah, yeah. W- w- when you put something like that in context of what literally every other team has done or is doing on a week by week basis I'll take it you know survive in advance it, we we know that this season's going to come down to Penn State and Michigan and as long as you are doing what you need to do against the other teams it's fine you know if if they lose to Penn State or Michigan that's going to define the season if they beat Penn State and Michigan that's going to define the season so um for now, it is what it is. It was fine and frustrating at times, but I'll take the score. I'll take the the win and uh, bring on the train people. Yep. Yeah, they did. They did draw. I went out really quick. They did drop an SP plus uh, for whatever that's worth. They yeah. uh, they were second sense. last week. Yeah, they were twenty four point five. Now they are down to fourth with twenty two point five. Uh, dropping a whole two points after one game is uh, not what you'd love to see. Indicative yeah, of what happened. So. Yeah, yeah. Currently behind uh, Georgia, Mich- Michigan's one, Georgia's two, and Texas is three. I'd argue. I'd so, argue. I'd argue that could be more about what Michigan and uh, Georgia. I, I guess was Texas four before. Texas was third. We were second. Okay. Michigan was first. Texas stayed at second. Sorry, Texas stayed at third. Ohio State was second. Dropped to fourth. Georgia had a big improvement. Michigan. And stayed. pretty much stayed the yeah. same. They went from uh, 25, Te- 25.7. Did yeah. Texas improve? Because that'd be hilarious. Um, No, Texas dropped by a half okay. point. Okay. Uh, Ohio State just dropped by two full points. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah, there's still not a ton of separation. Those top six teams. Yeah, sorry, it's top not. Nine teams. It's splitting hairs. are all separated by a touchdown. Yeah. yeah. But um, I will say, I mean, I credit where it's due. I'll kind of bury this at the end of the podcast. So hopefully uh, no one who's a cat who is not a, a real fan of ours. Here's this, but uh, Michigan's been the best team in the country through, through six games pretty comfortably. Yeah. I think um, so. I mean, I think Georgia finally showed up this, this past Saturday and that's like that Georgia team and fully operational looked pretty scary. However, which has always been the case, right? When Georgia plays hard, they look great. They just hadn't played hard all season. Um, Michigan has, has had the most, like they've not been tested at all. They've they just dominated every game. Um, they had some like execution problems during the season, but they're now kind of kind of getting in gear, and that helps probably having your head coach to actually coach the games helps with that. Um, but they are they're really rolling right now. Um, number eight on offense, number two on defense. Yeah, um, their offense and defense are both ranked ahead of Ohio State's right now. Uh, Very cool. They are. Let's see, one of. Hmm. Uh, there are currently five teams in the country, sorry, four teams in the country that are top 10 in both offense and defensive SP plus. They are Michigan, Georgia, Texas, and Ohio state. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how it plays out over the course of the year. Uh, there's there's still quite a bit to learn obviously, but, and you don't play them until the end of November, but, but Michigan looks very, very good right now. Yep. And I think that's, I mean, that's what we expected. So we were just hoping that, uh, Ohio state would also look. Very, very good too. So, there's still time. One day. One day. Yeah, one day. I'm sure this will be the first team that Ryan Day has that improves over the course of the year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is the one. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we'll do the preview podcast, the premium uh, coming out on Thursday. We'll record it Wednesday. Comes out Thursday. Talk about the Purdue game. Uh, it was funny to note that Urban Meyer forgot that Purdue existed. Yeah, I love uh, that. They play Penn State next week. Yeah, it's classic. Famously, man. he did that not in 2017, first... too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not the first time he forgot Purdue existed. Yeah. Uh, 2013, too, he kind of forgot to show up for that game. That's they... true. Kenny yeah. Guyton bailed him out. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about that game coming up, uh, as well as kind of just taking a look around the country, some other programs, and we'll talk a little more about Michigan and Georgia during that during that podcast, uh, and probably some other teams as well. But um, look, we're not USC. We don't have Lincoln Riley, right? Let's all celebrate that for the week. Yeah. Um, and they covered, so it could be worse. Uh, it could be a lot better, but it could be worse. Um, best oh. thing about you know being five and zero, the chance to go six and zero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Famous. So true. Uh, Famous. Urban, Urban Meyer's <laughs> on our board, just so you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We should get a, it'd be really funny if, if you're a, someone listening to this podcast, you want to join the message board, you should post in characters Urban Meyer the entire time. That'd be really yeah. funny to do that. Not like the fake Urban Meyer where it's like lame and not funny. Like actually posting characters Urban Meyer. As if you're Urban Meyer. Yeah. Yeah. If you could do it well, you should do it. Uh, yeah. That'd be great. All right, Kevin, you want to sign us out? Yep. Go Bucks. Michigan sucks and help is on the way.